Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have part two in our series, Fully Alive. This message is called From the Inside Out. Now, this particular message closes with about a 10-minute reflective exercise, so I I recommend that um, for those listening to this for the first time on the podcast... um, Maybe save the reflective exercise for a time where you could actually sit down and kind of get quiet. Maybe better than driving around, but that's up to you. But just a little warning, that's coming up at the end. Also, tonight at North Shore Vineyard Church, we have Election Day Communion. So if you're hearing this on Tuesday, make plans to join us for worship and prayer and communion. Thanks for listening. There once was a couple of fish, and they were hanging out, talking, and an older fish swam by them and said, hey guys, how's the water? And one fish looked at the other, he says, what the hell is water? (laughs) The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 12, verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Did anybody play with Play-Doh when you were a kid? Still do, yes. Did anybody have those little Play-Doh fun kits where you could like put your Play-Doh in a little mold thing and squish it down? And you you, you take this little plastic thing, you you cram a bunch of Play-Doh in, you squeeze down shut it, and then open it up, and you take that Play-Doh out, and it bears the, the image of the thing that it was squeezed into. In the same way, Paul is saying that there are forces all around us, and most of them are in, as invisible to us as water is to fish, but they are forming us without us even knowing it. Advertising. Society. Culture, everything, if, if you don't live a life that is intentional, you are going to get shaped into the pattern of this world. This world is going to tell you what the good life is. This world is going to tell you what to value if you don't uh, learn how to be proactive and, and, and take the journey seriously. But Paul says, don't be squeezed into the mold of the world like Plato. Rather, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, there's a change that does need to happen within us, but it's not a change from the outside in. It's from the inside out. And so I started a series here three weeks ago, and I don't like starting series like this because I started a series and then I was out of town the next weekend, and then we had Bag Hunger last weekend. By the way, Bag Hunger, we've we've collected close to 4,000 pounds now. Of food. So, yeah, give it up. Rock on. (laughs) Anyway, where was I? Oh, 
So I started this series three weeks ago called Fully Alive. And the idea is Jesus said in John 10, 10, he says, The thief comes to kill and steal and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. What is this abundant life that Jesus talks about? Because when I look around at at many people who call themselves Christians in this world today, Christianity simply means giving mental assent to certain doctrinal ideas about God. But it really, when you look at a lot of Christians, their lives don't look any different from anybody else out there in the world. It looks as if they've been conformed to the pattern of this world rather than being transformed on the inside. And yet... This is what Jesus invites us into, where we can actually experience life change within. We can be fully alive. And so I'm going to give a quick recap of what we covered a few weeks ago. Um, In the message I did called Living for What Matters, um, I talked about four temptations which keep us from living a values-driven life. And when I say values-driven, I mean, it's a political year right now. Oftentimes, values means morals during a political election. But I'm just talking about the things of value in your life. What do you value? What matters most to you? And too often, we don't make decisions or choices in life based on what matters most. We base it, our decisions and choices on these external forces. So I talked about four different uh, temptations. Now, there's obviously more, but these are just four things that distract us from deciding on what matters. The first is fear. The question is, what if? What if I don't act now while supplies last? (laughs) What if? What if I do this? What are people going to think? You ever have those kind of tormenting thoughts before? Oh, fear of man is the worst. But when we make choices based on whatever other people think, what does it set us up for? You you lose your freedom. You become miserable. Actually, you become resentful with others and with yourself. We... Let fear drive the bus instead of our values. Secondly, pragmatism. What is practical? What makes sense, right? This is probably the the most natural thing for us in America. You know, what's the practical value of this? But let's look at Jesus. Much, or if not most of what Jesus said, did not make sense in a pragmatic sort of way. Have you ever thought about it? Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That don't make no sense. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's crazy talk. Who wants to get between two warring factions and try to bring peace? I'd rather just stay out of that. Or how about forgive somebody who hurts you over and over again and, and does you wrong? Like, that's just crazy talk, Jesus. It doesn't make practical sense. But we know, those of us who've tried living generosity, forgiveness, gratitude, if you've tried that, it doesn't minimize you. It doesn't make you less of a person, does it? It makes you more fully human. So pragmatism's okay sometimes, but we don't need to let it drive the bus. Our main deciding factor in life should not be what do others think or what makes sense. It should be how can I do something that affirms what I value? Third would be conventional wisdom. 
Conventional wisdom is when we get to a decision in life, a major decision, and instead of doing the hard work of wrestling through our values, what we feel God has called us to do, what the Holy Spirit may be inviting us into, we just ask ourselves instantly, well, what are other people doing? I want you to answer this for me instead of having to do the hard work myself. Now, that's okay. You can totally succeed in life by using other people's answers, but you will not mature because you'll never learn how to wrestle through things. Then the fourth thing that keeps us from being fully alive is letting economics drive the bus. Economic concerns is, you know, what does it cost or what is the economic reward? Now, this is probably the sneakiest one of them all for us because I think making decisions based purely on economics, that's just the natural thing that, that occurs to us. But the question should not be, should I take this job? Like, how much money is this going to bring me? Or how much is this car going to cost and payments over the year? Those things are factors we need to consider. But the first thing we need to consider when making any big decision in life, how does this decision help me live out and affirm the things that matter the most to me? And as we do that, we end up having a values-driven life. And so one of the, one of the keys to having, uh, being fully alive is living from a place of values and not these external things. We start to learn what Paul talked about, where we're being transformed from the inside out rather than being squeezed from the outside in. So that's the recap of a couple of weeks ago. If you didn't hear the message, I, I just whittled down a 45-minute message into five minutes. Lucky you. So today I want to talk about the inward journey. I've used this analogy a few times before, but if you're out in a boat on the ocean and you see an iceberg, you're not seeing much of that iceberg. You may think, oh, cute little piece of ice. Look at that little piece of ice sticking 10 foot, 20 foot out of the water. Well, for that 10, 20 foot of of iceberg, there's another 80 foot under the surface. This thing is huge. And you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. But the same goes for us as human beings. What we're seeing today in this room, it's the tip of the iceberg. How are you doing? I'm doing great. That's the tip of the iceberg. We live in this realm normally, which is just what people see of us and what they acknowledge of us. But there's so much more to each of us than what people see. There's a lot to you and a lot to me. If we are going to learn how to live life fully, it requires Getting beneath the surface. I like what Richard Rohr says. He says, The journey to happiness involves finding the courage to go down into ourselves and take responsibility for what's there. All of it. If we want to be happy, we have to learn how to look beneath the surface and face some things, good and bad. Now, most of us don't do the inward journey because, honestly, we're scared. 
We're scared to look beneath the surface. And, and, and I, and I got to tell you, if you do some reflection over your life, I think one of the reasons we stay so perpetually distracted in this world today, it's a lot easier to, to, to pull this thing out and oh, what's going on on Facebook land than it is to sit down and actually reflect over life and what matters and how we're living and how we're enjoying life. But when you begin to reflect... When you engage in contemplation, when you look beneath the surface, you will face things that are not great about yourself, but you'll also find some other things that maybe God's calling you into. Part of learning how to be happy and fully alive and engaged in life is that we can own up to the things that are, are, you know, where we've missed it. I went through this process a few years ago. I was in Kenner. At the, at the vineyard on the South Shore. And I went through a, a prolonged period of, of reflection and contemplation. I was just at this spot in my life. I, I think it's probably a common spot for, for guys in their 30s. I'd, I'd been working hard for years. And finally, I was just like, what am I doing? Because <laughs> I felt like I was just on autopilot. And so uh, Dina would frequently tell me things like, you know, me and, me and the kids are tired of leftover Crispin. And... Um, you know, can, can, we, can we get a little bit more uh, engagement? <laughs> and I really realized that, that for all the years that I'd been in ministry, that I had just, I was working hard, I was doing stuff all the time, but I was getting to a place where I wasn't really living from my heart anymore. And so, over a period of probably about a year and a half, God led me into the inward journey in a serious way for the first time in my life. And I began to see some things about myself that I wasn't terribly happy about. Um, I had developed kind of a toxic work ethic. And actually, my work ethic was partly to do with my wanting to avoid difficult things in life. It's a lot easier to work. (laughs) I remember reading John Eldridge, uh, Wild at Heart, he says, you know... Uh, my, my, I had an affair in my marriage, and it was with my work, because work was a lot easier to understand than my wife. I, I, I could identify with that. It's, you know, work kind of makes sense. I'm not <laughs> Dang it. I'm going to get in trouble. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Anybody else want to go to lunch with me? Um, <laughs> but anyway, I, I began working on stuff on the inside. I began to, to, to face things about myself that I didn't, didn't like. And I didn't, honestly, I didn't even know they were there. Because I was living in the, the piece of the iceberg <laughs> above the surface. But as I began to get down to these issues, I began to discover, I began to finally get to a place where I could own my part, take responsibility for, for my part in it. But I realized there's a, a handful of things that I really valued that I was not affirming in my life. One was being a good husband and father. I, I felt like, I mean, I was mediocre, um, but I wasn't engaged the way I wanted to be. I found that you know, I'm a very creative person. I need to be creating stuff. You know, I mean, I write songs and just write and play music. Like, like that's part of how I'm wired. I realized 
creativity had gone to the side. One of my other values was compassion. I realized that even though being in ministry, I felt like even ministry had just become just a chore. I felt like the Dunkin' Donuts guy, you know, it's time to make the donuts, you know. And so I just began to take responsibility for these things. I could point my finger and blame my boss. I could say, well, no, it's, 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 it's my wife's problem. It's my kid's problem. If you, if you had to you know, live with the kids, I do. Just kidding. Um, but we do that oftentimes when we see things that, that are, when we get unhappy in life, we want to point our finger and blame somebody else. That's not the path to happiness. That's the path to bondage. So I finally just had to say, you know, I'm here, and I'm unhappy, and this is my part of the problem. I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm going to take responsibility for my own life. Does this mean that everybody's just been great? No. I mean, other people might have something to do with it, but I'm going to own my part of it. And so I finally, after much reflecting, I realized there's a few values in my life that I have not been giving value to. And so I finally began slowly to work into a plan. I approached my boss, and I said, um, you know, here's a few things that I think would be helpful. And, you know, if I could maybe have a little bit more flexible schedule, you know, work a little bit more on these days or whatever, maybe if I could do this thing. And my boss approved most of the ideas that I had. Now, whether he did or not was not even the important thing. The important thing was that I own up to my thing. And when I, when I came into that meeting, I wasn't accusing him of anything. It wasn't his issue. But I was going to take control of my life. But even getting to that point to be able to take control over my own life and my own happiness and be proactive rather than being tossed around by my circumstances, that came out of a place of reflection, looking beneath the surface. Living fully alive requires reflection, contemplation, and connection with our hearts. I want to close today by doing a, a simple little exercise here. Dina, or does, I think there's a, does somebody have some pins? Yes. We've got a, oh, basket of pins. We're going to pass out basket of pins. And we're going to do a little reflective exercise here. Now, this is just, I'm just going to close with this one tool because it's a good tool. I use this thing a few times a year. And it's amazing what insight it gives to me. But we will um, probably cover some other practices like this in the future. But the purpose of this little exercise, it's called a spiritual location exercise. It's just to help us really land on where are we right now? Emotionally, spiritually, physically, relationally. And as we begin asking these kinds of questions... They begin revealing a lot of things about our own desires, about what's going on. And also, Marsha, are there some extra bulletins there? If anybody needs a bulletin, because the the questions are on your bulletin. I've got a bulletin, an extra one too. I need a pen. Can I have a pen?
Thanks, Brian. Okay, well, we're just going to get quiet for a minute, and I, I just want to challenge you not to race through these questions. We'll just, I'll kind of set the pace for the questions. I know some of you have already got to the end. All right. Normally, I, I don't even put the questions down before people. I just tell them so they don't get distracted. But we're just going to get quiet for a minute. And the first question is, when you look back over the last week, what have been your dominant thoughts? What has preoccupied your thinking? When you look over the last week, what have been your dominant thoughts? Okay, moving from thoughts, what have been your dominant feelings in the last week, emotionally? Moving from your feelings, what has your body felt like? Have you been physically?
What about your desires? What have you been, what have been your strongest desires in the last week? What have you wanted? In the last week, how have you had fun? Number six, in a sentence, where are you? Number seven, what is God doing within you in this place?
And then finally, what is the Spirit inviting you into right now? What do you feel like God is, is, is inviting you into? This is the quietest we've, we've ever been up at the church. So when you look on that, how many of y'all, uh, as you were looking at these things, that you, you found it helpful to kind of reveal some things to you that you hadn't noticed or paid attention to? Anybody? Okay. couple. It's a simple exercise, but, but understand something as simple as sitting down and asking these questions, uh, we did a pastor's retreat here a, a few weeks ago, Had uh, a couple months ago. We had several pastors, vineyard pastors from all over, and, and oftentimes we have to, we don't have to, we get together and we pray for one another. But before we did the prayer time, I started off with, let's do this spiritual exercise. Now, this location exercise, it's really better if you can spend about 20 minutes. We're a little rushed today because um, we don't have much time. Uh, but it was interesting when we got into the prayer time because one of the pastors said to me, he said, you know, if you'd have asked me what I needed prayer for before the spiritual location exercise, I would have told you something totally different. But actually getting quiet and thinking about these questions, it, it helped reveal that, wow, I've got some anxiety about this thing over here. Uh, you know, th- these are things that I, I really need prayer for. These are good questions because... Even a question like, where am I having fun in life? Uh, or how am I feeling? Your physical body will often carry emotional things. Your, 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 uh, uh, your lack of, of, being, of, of having fun might have something to do with your passions of life or, 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 or your lack of connections with others. So this is just one simple thing, and, and we'll go ahead and close it up. But I will make this... Um, I can make this available to anybody that wants it as well. Uh, obviously, you've got it on your paper there. But what I've found is, is concerning the, the, the inward journey, practices like this, uh, praying the, the prayer of examine, uh, the, the Jesuits came up with it, uh, spiritual direction, different kind of techniques along the way to help reveal what's going on, on the inside. I lived most of my life until my mid-30s without paying attention to anything below the surface. I had no idea of my issues. <laughs> I had no idea of any, you know, I was driven by all kinds of things. But boy, once you start encountering God in those places, you, you never want to go back. So 
I, I just encourage you, uh, each of you, uh, any ways you can to kind of start looking below the surface. And, and, and sometimes it is very helpful to get others involved in helping us look, too. So why don't you all stand up? We'll close. I've gone way too long. <laughs> Lord God, we... Uh, God, I pray that in the, the, the coming days, the coming weeks, Lord, even as we come to the end of the year and we, we hit that time in our lives where we're, we're heading into another year where we do reflect on life and we reflect on what matters, God, I pray that you would help each of us to discern what you're doing in our hearts, God, to, to face the things, to take responsibilities for, for the things in us, Lord, to own our journey. Lord, and to experience that transformation that comes uh, with the renewing of our minds, God. Help us to be people that are living awake and alive in this world rather than just going through the motions, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's it. God bless y'all. Go Saints.